This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, welcome to the Always Be Comedy podcast. My name's James Gill. I am the MC at the multi-award-winning comedy nights Always be comedy. I'm joined, as always, by my comedy husband, always be comedy's very own, Tim Lewis. Hello, Tim Lewis. Hello, James Girl. The Always Be Comedy podcast is where we sit down with a guest and they curate what would be their dream comedy gig. Who would open? Who would close? What sort of gigging nightmare that they've experienced must not, under any circumstances, happen at this fantasy comedy gig? It's all this and so much more. And by so much more, we often mean quite a lot of gossip. Welcome to the Always Be Comedy podcast. We are joined by the great Jake Lambert. Uh, Tim, as you know, I am slightly obsessed, I think you are as well, with uh, brilliant comedians who have found another way of cracking that enigma code of breaking through. And Jake Lambert is very much on that elite list of those who've made it happen. Yeah, yes, really is. Uh, this year especially, he's had a real breakthrough year. It's been brilliant for a long time. But yeah, it's wonderful to see that through, quite simply, just talking into his phone whilst on a walk, he's managed to get a tour, get on Apollo, and just everyone now gets to see how fantastic is. As ever, the sound of a nail being hit squarely on the head by Mr. Tim Lewis. We, we could and should probably stop the intro there because Tim has <laughs> he's, he's nailed it. Um, but Jake Lambert, tour support with Michael McIntyre. So you've got to be very, very good. I mean, very, very, yeah. very, very good yeah. to be supporting uh, McIntyre. And then, Tim, I my concept of time, is it lockdown? Is it middle age? Let's go with both. I thought that Jake had been doing those videos for uh, Tim smirking because the, the, in the episode you will you will hear the penny dropping. March? Do you say March this year? I think it's March of this year. Yeah. So you know, barely half a year ago. I just, I mean, I'm in awe. I'm in awe. So ba- barely half a year ago. Oh no, sorry, yeah, okay. All right then, pedants, just over half a year ago. But in that time, Jake has gone from being a very, you know, an excellent and very well-respected comedian on the circuit to, as Tim says, hitting the road on his own tour. I mean, that is, that's inspiring stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's exciting. It's really, I found, I found some episode very inspirational. I don't know if I can say that about our own episode, but I found it very inspiring. 
that he's just what he's managed to do. And yeah, the story's off those in two hours, five million views, all that sort of thing. That sort of thing, which just seems impossible. Incredible. So Tim and I, we put up the odd clip. Are we, what are we calling it, Tim? Clippy McGlippy? Clippies? <laughs> um, we put up one, was it, was it the kind of, there's one recently, it might have been Kyle Minogue, it might have been something else. Um, and it got, did it get a hundred and something likes? And we thought, well, genuinely, we were so happy with that. And then when you hear these stories, uh, we, we had a gig last night, and we'd stayed for a drink with a couple of comedians and someone got the phone out and showed us someone's clip had got 5 million likes or something. I mean, it's just yeah. mind blowing. But Tim and I, we, we find it exciting. We were with uh, Helen Bauer the other night and we were talking about it. And I, I said to Helen about when we, for us, when we hit a hundred likes, that's the equivalent of being at number one in the hit parade. Um, <laughs> So, so when we hear of, you know, numbers that are in the hundreds of thousands and the and the uh, hundreds and thousands, hang on a minute, hundreds of thousands, yeah. <laughs> hundreds and thousands are things that you get on an ice cream. Um, <laughs> and then also, I mean, just to double down on the way that Jake has uh, utilized the internet, Jake, as he explains in this podcast, Jake started out cracking jokes on Twitter and then it. And then he became a stand-up from that, and it all snowballed from there. Uh, so as Jake has, has said himself, when parents are saying to the kids, get off that internet, I mean, <laughs> very much get back on it and <laughs> find a way of helping to pay our mortgage while you're doing it. Um, yeah, incredible. Yeah, that was the, I think that's the first time I ever heard of like a Twitter comedian doing stand-up after cracking jokes on Twitter. Yeah, it's really... It's such a, it certainly was a unique way at the time. I think it happens more nowadays, but yeah, very few have managed to convert being able to write a good tweet into being able to write an excellent stand-up show better than Jake Lambert. Um, also, great joke writer. He's right. His writing's really good. Very likable performer. The tour is called uh, The Sunshine Kid. If you if you visit, it's a lovely website. Love, I lo- love the, I'm a sucker for that neon blue with a pale yellow, striking white, it looks great. Jake Lambert's 2024 tour, The Sunshine Kid, on sale now. Couldn't happen to a nicer dude and indeed a more hardworking dude and a guy that found his niche and, and really made it happen. Yeah, absolutely. We, we've known for a long time and it's been great. We're sort of, do I want to say we're there from the beginning? Not, not far off. It. No, no, run with it. Grab it with both hands. Yeah, and it's just so exciting to see everyone take notice of how brilliant he is. What I would, Tim, what, so what I would say is, because more and more of you are checking the night out, which is, honestly, it's wonderful. So uh, pl- now please do keep checking out the, uh, the, the, the tickets. Like, yes, we know a lot of shows are sold out. This is turned into an aggressive advertorial, and I apologise. But it's always worth checking the site, Tim, because of late returns, as has happened recently with people sending speculative emails, then they end up getting to see, say, uh, a Romesh or a Rose Matafeo or a Joe. We had Joe Lysett as a mystery guest last night at short notice. So it's always worth checking the site, Tim. Yes, the best way is definitely to check the site. We we want as many of you to see the shows as we can. So yeah, always check that website and you might be lucky. 
that was that was a lovely lovely ad masquerading as editorial that was uh, <laughs> absolutely outstanding uh right then uh, as ever please do drop us a line the team at alwaysbecomedy.com please keep those imagine right you're on a train bit of time to kill those five star reviews oh my gosh they help so much and then thank you for all the retweets and the story shares and all of that malarkey it, we're very very grateful uh please welcome the, the oh tim i've just remembered me talking about socks but hey it's out there oh in fact th this will all make sense today tim uh double spider-man that's great you're gonna work out what that means and it's one of my favorite bits we've ever done in any podcast oh god <laughs> uh please enjoy the, the great jake lambert <laughs> Uh, we're joined today by, uh, my God, one of the finest comedians of his generation, someone who's been doing Always Be Comedy. Jake, I would say pretty much from uh, from the time you started stand-up, I, I would like to think. Uh, it's the great Jake Lambert. Jake, how is everything with you? Yeah, good, thank you. It was. I think it was um, really early on I did it. Rob Beckett was doing a preview, and um, uh, me and Elliot Steele sort of joint supported him. So very early. I've still got the email you sent to my agent the next day. To say, if he darkens our door. <laughs> well, that's, that's very nice. So just for the benefit of the listener, as one of life's cheese balls, I know that when an act is new and starting out, um, I, I think there is not paranoia, but you want to make sure that you're doing all right if you, you know by your agent. And so I always think that a, a, a positive email to an agent can help reassure them that they've made the right signing, that sort of thing. Yes. Um, it's just the right thing to do. It was it was very lovely. I think for me, probably the first time something like that had happened as well. So I think you, you said if Flo was Arsene Wenger, then I am her. And there was a footballer who uh, I will admit, since then, I've never heard of. Oh, God. Um, so it was actually... So it turns out it's quite an insulting email. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, going back, a bit I of do that. Moment. I do that quite a lot. I do. I only. I almost only speak fluent football. And so, you know, it's someone's had a good gig, I'll compare them to such and such, or someone's a shrewd signing. Just talk normally. Just have a normal conversation, James. <laughs> well, you know, the line have been a 4-4-2 in uh, <laughs> half-time. What, what are you talking about? Now, I, I'm... I, as someone who likes to say that he doesn't like using the word journey, I certainly use it an, <laughs> an awful lot. But your journey um, is a very interesting one because I'm, I'm, I'm right in, I think I'm right in saying you started off cracking jokes on Twitter. Yeah. And then it sort of snowballed from there. Yeah. Well, that, that is, I mean, that is true, but it's also um, false. You know, <laughs> you know, like when you're, when you're doing comedy in the PR, like, so we need to put this thing out, you know. So what, so the truth is that, yes, I did start on Twitter writing jokes. I had the Twitter sort of pseudonym, Little Lost Lad. I would tweet jokes out on there. I didn't even have my photo as the avatar. And then I did a gig once. Well, actually, I'm jumping forward, but I, basically I did a gig once and somebody came up to me and said, are you little lost lad on Twitter? And I was like, yeah, they're like, yeah, I recognize the joke style. So I was like, oh, that's nice. But what happened was um, I was writing these jokes and was also obsessed with comedy and had been since I was about eight or nine years old. So 
a few comedians would message and DM me asking if they could buy certain tweets off me to tell on stage. And I was like, well, maybe because I, 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 I always, I always knew I would start comedy. I didn't know how, I didn't know what would be my in. It was so alien to me. So when I got those messages, I was, I suddenly, it suddenly clicked. I was like, well, if I just told these jokes on stage, that can be my in. And then I'll learn to do comedy while I'm up there. Um, I've got, I've got to say, I'm so, I'm, this is a compliment. I'm so surprised because you're such a natural performer that, I don't know, in like a parallel universe or if that was someone else, if they started out as a writer, I think you, I think sometimes you can really tell on stage when someone is a, uh, a writer and then a performer. Right. I would know, but you're such a, obviously the writing is brilliant, but you're such a brilliant performer as well. That oh, that's I, nice. That, if, that I would have always said to you, well, yeah, of course you should try stand-up. Yeah, but then my, I remember I bought my dad, before I started, I bought my dad Lee Mack's autobiography. Mack for then, life. Yes, which I, I bought for him, uh, and I, knowing that he's he's not a massive reader, so I think I just wanted to read it. So I bought it for him, read it, then he read it, and then he messaged me uh, um, whilst he was reading it and said, I feel like I'm reading your autobiography. And it was that whole thing of the clues were always there. This was obviously what you were going to do. It's just when. Like, I, I remember even being in the kitchen wow. one day talking to my mum about stand-up or some comedian I'd seen. And she just went, well, you know, when are you going to do it? I think it was just obvious. And I was like, oh, I don't know, maybe. But I knew I would. I was just scared. Uh, so that it just the tweets, I, le- I basically on Twitter learned how to write a joke because I used to write long-form stuff that I just thought, you know, that's a joke, a page or something, which isn't going to work. I didn't know how to do it. And it was just about my in. So I just knew at least I could probably get used to being on a stage by telling these jokes. Then I'll make them longer and longer and longer. And and that's basically exactly what I did. And then, fa- I mean, and then fast forward, I mean, we were just chatting before the recording. And then you're doing live at the Apollo. I mean, it's... Yeah. It's, it's Disney biopic stuff. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's good, but then, um, yeah, it was great to get the call. But then, when you start, that is something that was always in the back of my mind. I was like, one day I'll do that. You know that sort of picturing thing. I, it was so when I got the call, amazing. But there I was a bit of me that was like, I mean, this will happen one day. But yeah, I did start on Twitter. But also, I did notice that like when I started out, also sort of being obsessed with comedians' autobiographies, just realizing. Or listen to them on podcasts. I don't think any two comedians have the same journey. You said this to me years ago in a car, mm. and honest to goodness, I think about it all the time. Oh, people, that's, I remember that journey. People, me, you, and Sean. Yep. Too many comedians worry, and we know this from talking with them, that, oh, well, uh, such and such had achieved this by this time, and they did this and this. And then, mm. as you said, no two journey back to journey, but no two journeys, careers, lives, what have you, are the same. And, and people have done it so many different ways. Yeah. Uh, and especially in recent years with the breakthrough of, you know, and I include you in this, obviously, the breakthrough of uh, social media and Instagram reels and so on. Um, so y- y- you're telling your own story, really, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. I remember before I started, I remember uh, Patton Oswalt was doing the keynote, keynote speech at um, just for laughs. And I remember reading about it, how he'd sort of 
was saying to the comedians, held up his phone and it was like, you know, we're in, I think it must have been sort of 2012. He was like, we're in charge now. We've got the internet, we've got YouTube, we can do what we like. That was before I'd even started. But I remember so he thinking, said that in 2012? Yeah. Yeah. He was like, we're in control now. If he said that like, at, at, at a speech tomorrow, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a Saturday. But if he did that speech tomorrow, it would be, it, it would feel, it would perhaps feel more relevant now than it did. I mean, he was so ahead of the curve on that. Yeah. I mean, it then took me uh, 11 years to listen to him and go, yeah, I'm going to take control and start filming myself in a park. But he, he just said that, you know, it, we have the control now. We, if we want to make something, we can make it. And I, that that's, you know, that's just always stuck with me. That, you know, one of those things that you think about once a week, you're like, yeah, what a, what a great point that we've just got the control now. So it just changed it again for the, for the last 10 years. In, you know, everybody's journey was different um, up until then. And now it, even the possibilities are now endless of exactly how you can make it and who can make it. And even George Lewis messaged me the other day that some lady had messaged him on Instagram saying, would you come and support me on my tour? He's like, he'd never heard of this person. And she's like, I think she'd sold out the, uh, in Manchester, is it the Lowry? I think it's got three rooms, the studio, the smaller theatre, the bigger one. Yeah. On the, on the same tour, she'd started in the studio, gone off doing this tour, gone to the bigger room, got covered on tour and gone back and sold out the biggest room. And all from Facebook. Are you joking? No, I've got no, I'd, I'd never heard of her. Never heard of her at all. Just this lady that he's, and then she'd seen him doing his parenting stuff on, on, on Instagram, asked if he would open. And he went out and he said it was just all these, he said it was mainly women because that's sort of her, her, her angle with the comedy that she's doing with the sketches. But he said they were absolutely loving it. They couldn't believe that she was there. It was this whole thing. I was like, and we've never heard of her. And, and, and she's English. She's, I think she's from Manchester. Incredible. Now, now, yeah. I mean, that's it. Look, you know, you're, you're going on tour next year. Yeah. So please share with us. The, you've met, you've just touched on it already, but the, the 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 videos in the park. You know how that came about, when it started breaking through, I, I, the importance, I guess, of that regularity, so that the 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 the, the public know when it's going to drop. How, how did it all come about, Jake? So um, the start of this year. I was um, really ill. It sounds like a sob story, but I was just ill. It wasn't bad. I just, I don't know. Basically, I had, I had to, woke up Christmas morning and I was like, I don't feel great at all. And then I think for about a month, I was just on the sofa. I had no energy. I was cancelling gigs. And I remember, it, in fact, even I had to cancel. I think I was at the start of January, I was supposed to be doing Cardiff Glee. And I just had to cancel it. And somebody tweeted me and they were like, really disappointed I bought tickets and you're not on. And this was even like this year. I was like, I mean, I can't believe you bought tickets because I was on. I, I, that sort of blew my mind. So I was really apologetic message him. I've since got him tickets to another gig. He's come along and he was a nice guy. But um, I was just cancelling all these gigs. And then I don't know what it was. Something happened. But I think Flo had messaged me last year and said, what are your thoughts on TikTok? And I replied and said, hard no. And she was like, why? And I was like, I don't know. She was like, just go on, download it, get an account, have a look through, see what's there. I think you'll find a way to do something. So I played around with it a little bit. I was doing some things. Um, there was an old tweet I'd done about texting a friend to ask. Um, I think it was my first sort of viral tweet. I'd, 
It was texting a friend to ask where they were, then text them back as though you're texting someone else. So I text my friend saying, hey, you know, where are you? What are you up to? And he texts back and said, I'm just shopping in Windsor. And then I replied and said, he's out shopping in Windsor. And then my friend's like, what? Who, who, who are you texting? Who wants to know? Blah, blah, blah. So I I did this TikTok video where it was me um, in front of the text message. And I say, a fun thing to do is to text a friend. I basically announced it and then showed them the video. I showed them the text. But what happened was this video, this TikTok video took off. And you get like putting like a subsection on um, on on TikTok, and it had been put under the subsection millennial pause. Where what had happened was, I'd taken a second, a half a second, I think, at the start of the video. I'd hit record, and then I went. So the and there was a pause, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, the millennial pause! This guy's a millennial." Apparently, I hadn't started talking quickly enough for the video, so I was like, "What on earth is this?" And I went on this huge deep dive, and it's like boomers like this gen x like this millennial pause gen z like this and i was i became obsessed with it and because i then started looking at it all i was like there's this huge thing and people were doing sketches about different generations so i started filming a few and then playing around with it and then one day i said what i'm gonna do is i think it was this is maybe throughout february i'm going to put a tiktok video out every single day find out what works and when it works I'll take over to Instagram and I'm going to build an Instagram following and that's what I'm going to do so the first video I did was so now you've different... got a pro- you've got a project yes yeah, so I've got a project I'm at home I'm, I'm now it's February I'm a bit better but I'm not gigging so I set the camera up and, and I just do different generations reaction to the doorbell so I just did this video that was um you know boomers saying you know who's that I'm going to check who it was Gen X checking the um the you know the ring door what's it called the ring ring doorbell ring doorbell thing and then millennials basically sort of falling down off the sofa and hiding because they don't want to open the door um so I put that out the next day I was like I'll see how that goes I mean this is going to sound crass but it's just part of the story no, no hey look I'm, I've asked you the question so not oh yeah that's not, true not, thanks not make sure no, that but... stays in if, no, <laughs> if no, you no. edit this so it's just I, I just interject one of your stories to go well hold on I've got this thing um so basically by I think I posted it about 10 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday and by midday it had I think about two or three million views what are you talking about and I'm like what what's happening Hang on. Every, like, every... What, what's the time frame there to get to two, two to three million of like two hours my so I'm just like what is happening it was just like Every, and every time you refresh it, the, the views are going like jumping up and up and up. And I couldn't believe it. I mean, now it it stopped, but now it's on, I think, 21.2 million or something, this video. On TikTok? So, on TikTok, yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. So the generations thing worked. So I, I then did one about generations reacting to the window cleaner. And then I thought I was... I wanted to do one about different generations arriving at people's houses. And I was thinking about setting the camera up outside my house and filming myself sort of keep appearing. But for one, I found the sketch thing a lot to set up. And I was going for a walk around the park one day and I'd seen comedians. I think Callie Beaton does a thing where she would just walk and talk to the camera and just tell a story or whatever. And a few people have been doing that on TikTok. Mate, after this video, me and Tim will be meeting in a park, walking around with a camera. <laughs> well, and then and then that, that sort of classic thing of like when I was talking about with Twitter, that like um, or, or 
it all comes back around. Obviously, I wanted to do comedy. This was all, always obvious. What I suddenly remembered was on the way back from the gym, uh, just before, sorry, needless a bit of information that I went to the gym there, but on the way home one day, just before Christmas, I'd recorded a video of me walking along, talking about um, how all Christmas films are the same. And what I want to see is, and I tried to do like a flip on the classic comedy film, uh, sorry, Christmas film, uh, how they're all the same. So I'll do like a flip on it. And I'd done that like two months before and it had got a, a bit of traction on Instagram. So I was like, I now what I'm doing now, it took me a two month journey to sort of go, oh, actually what you did the first time is what you wanted to do the whole whole time. I just sort of hadn't realized. So I was walking around the park and I was like, well, maybe if I just tell them how I think different generations would arrive at your front door. So I filmed that, put some titles on it, and then like captions, and then just put it out on TikTok. And that one just took off. And I was like, well, now I don't even have to set up a camera. I can just go for a walk. Then my aim was to move away from the generation stuff. So I could also just do any sort of observation or thought I'd had. And then every now and again, do an observation, like what a uh, generation observation once a month, once every six weeks, which is now what I do just once a week. And then I started doing it every Friday morning. I'd have a video. But I thought, actually, the idea of my videos, it looks like I've just gone for a walk around the park had a thought and chucked it out. So actually the idea of it being scheduled every Friday doesn't work. So I just changed it. So suddenly it would be Tuesday afternoon, I'd filmed one, I'd put it out. Then maybe I'll do another one three days later. Maybe I'll do another one 10 days later. I just made it more scattergun because it sort of fits the whole style of what I do. Um, and yeah, and now here I am. Basically there are people who think that I... Uh, that follow me who think that I went for a walk in the park this year. And then um, Michael McIntyre said, can you come and support me? Yeah. And then live the Apollo said, can you come and do our show? And then I went, I'm going to tour. You know, there's people who think that is the story. You know, I'm very happy for that to be the case. <laughs> this is a remarkable thing because I, maybe it's because of COVID and lockdown and time is meaningless. If you'd said to me that you started those park videos hmm. four years ago, I would, right. I would have believed you. Like Munya Chihuahua, I said to Tim, oh, you know, he's been gigging for 18 months. And Tim Tim went, his first gig was with us in March. And I was like, what are you, what <laughs> are you? So this, so this with you, same deal, all started this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all this year. So, so in the space of a year, year. You'd, you'd, you had the park idea. Yeah. You'd be, I know you've been McIntyre's tour, you know, done things with Michael for a good number of years, but some really big ones with Michael this year. Then yep. Apollo, and then a yep. tour. I mean, that is. Yeah. I think to any listener, even if you don't work in comedy, whatever you do, I suppose. I suppose that the the inspiration, the motivation there is think differently, come up with come up with. I mean, it's easier said than done, I suppose. But the way you've done that is fantastic. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I mean, it's just it was just from being ill at the start of the year, and I was like, I have to do something. Also, you know, at the start of the year, I think on my Instagram following was about. I think it was about 6,000 people. So when somebody messaged me and said, I came to Cardiff Glee and you weren't on, I was like, why are you going? I couldn't even understand why they'd go for me. It's just a club gig. It's sort of, um, yeah, I don't know. And now it's just sort of just taken off. But So on Instagram, um, at the risk of, yeah. I sound like, my, my, like a, a grandparent here. You went from 6,000 followers and how many are you on now? Uh, from 6,000 now, I think it's 145,000. In the space of how many months? Uh, I think from March to now, what is it, October? So from March to October. I feel like 
I, I couldn't be more proud of you. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's so nice. Well, what's mad? I mean, sorry, this sounds crazy, but what is crazy for me, considering that was the start of the year? It's not crass. I couldn't be. Oh, I'm, thank you. I, you know, you've got the best audience in the world. Here. I'm like, <laughs> if this wasn't a podcast, I'd be on my feet giving you a round of applause. <laughs> oh, if this was if this wasn't a podcast, I'd be saying a lot more. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but I I did go. Uh, I was in New York in um, September, and I what I posted a photo that I was at the Yankee Stadium watching the Yankees, and I had people messaging me going, "Oh my god, I'm here!" Like followers being like. Where are you? Like, I can't believe you're here. And I'm like, I can't believe that you're here. It's <laughs> like, who is this? Wow. And then I was going through security at JFK, just sit on my phone at my gate. And someone's like, sends me a message being like, sorry, can I just check? Were you just going through security at JFK? <laughs> and I'm like, what is happening? Sounds like it's just the same guy from Cardiff Glee every time. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just a fan. <laughs> um, but anyway, look, now here we are. There's a, there's a tour. Uh, by the way, what, what a beautiful website. I love, I Very love new. That, the, yeah. But the blue, the yellow, the white, fantastic. So March 27th, oh, I mean, Jay Clamber, I don't know if you've done this Go deliberately. On. What's the first day of the tour? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Cardiff Glee. And if he's not there, um, <laughs> I didn't even think of that. That's nice. incredible. <laughs> this is your typical radio ad while eating a crunch bar. This is Automatic of Auto's Used Cars. This weekend only, we're having a whale. Bring the kids. See for yourself. It is huge. You're going to make a big splash. No other dealer can say they have a whale like this. When things sound dull, turn up the fun with Crunch. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddleboards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Jake, you're curating your ideal, your dream, your fantasy gig. Do you, Jake Lambert, have any pre-gig? By the way, I've got to say, listener, this question, there was a time where it was hanging by a thread, and now it, it might be my favourite question. Do you have any pre-gig rituals? Quite a lot of pressure on this answer now. Um, I, because, because, um, uh, well, no. <laughs> back, back in the relegation scrap. You know, I, I used to. I used to... This is like when Crystal Palace are like seventh and I'm like, we, we, I think we could qualify for Europe and have a bit of a run. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> yeah. Who have we got this weekend? Oh, for... Yeah. Well, um, it's... Um, I used to uh, really sort of write it all down and go over the set, you know, what I would say. But now I 
I have a a rough idea of the set I'll do, but it can can go off in different directions when I want it to. I, don't, I like to be quite loose. It's different if I'm doing like tour support. I'll roughly know, especially if I'm doing something where the axe is coming on after me, just so they know the pattern of, you know, when I'll, I'll make sure I end the same every time so they sort of know what's coming. But um, no, I think now the ritual would probably be just anything to make myself be as sort of calm uh, and sort of as me as possible, if that makes sense. So it's about just sort of, if, if anything, I'm, I'm obviously it's being at the phone and putting that down and just sort of getting rid of any distractions and then just sort of um, making sure, yeah, I'm, I'm very uh, conversational on stage. So if I was sort of up at all, that would come out. I remember doing one gig in uh, Edinburgh one year and I didn't realize I was on next and I got called on. So I had to sort of, it's quite a long room. Actually. I had to run a little bit down the room to go on. And the, I got up on stage and the first few minutes was like the toughest start I think I'd ever had in my career. I realized it's because I like ran on like I was going to be Russell Howard or Russell Kane, sort of all this energy. And I'm not that. So I think they were like, well, why were you running? Like It just looked mad. So just to be calm and casual. So I'll just be a mix of now with the like McIntyre support I'll be side of stage just chatting with um one of the maybe the sound guys or the tour manager just having a bit of a chat and yeah just quite casual really because I think there's not much difference between when I'm off to when I'm on um and like I can eat up until like 10 minutes before I go on the only reason I'd stop is so I don't burp when I'm up there but um because that's do, been a, that's been an you, issue. You do your best, you know. One does one's best work, but when you're when you're loosey goosey in that, yeah, that, not yeah. too relaxed. I don't mean you know. <laughs> yeah, I think if you if you end watching up... the Sopranos, what on that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. When, when you're in that almost, I don't use the word zen, but just in that in that nice, nice, relaxed, but also up for it. That perfect balance. That that right headspace. Yeah, that's exactly it. just making sure I am being as me as possible. Um, so nothing, obviously, that is going to distract me or, you know, read an email that I'm going to go, oh, now, now I'm thinking about that. Just sort of, um, yeah, being because I can have dinner before um, and then, you know, give and giving the gig thought, but not like if you go up and you're like, I'm going to say this, that, that, yeah. that, that, I'm going to do this. And obviously you just get in your own head. Now, you, um, now, you will do that when you're a new act. Because it's yeah. human nature. Like, yeah. Rigid. When I was an open mic act, I turn up thinking I was like Robin Williams, and I'd sit before I was going on. I'd be like, "Oh, what should I do tonight?" Before like common sense kicked in and went, "Mate, you've 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 barely got five minutes." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're not, yeah. not picking tracks for the jukebox here, dude. <laughs> you know, just do the th do the only thing that you've got. Just do that. Yeah, and I think my issue was if I if I started to have things that I would have to do beforehand, then if something wasn't right um then i would get in my own head you know if it was like and i have to have you know my notes folded up in the back right hand pocket or whatever or i've got to be it, i would end up getting in my own head so i just wanted to be that i can just walk on anytime anytime i'm needed i can just walk up there and it's just me carrying on being me um so yeah deliberately none really but That's then nice. again um 
with life, I've got things like I'll always wear, only wear Uniqlo boxes and socks. So I think from the, since I sort of get up in the morning, it's sort of a, my pre-gig ritual is probably right at the start of the day where I sort of have a routine anyway. Um, so as long as that's all, everything's in place. Has to be Uniqlo boxes and socks. I do, uh, my, my boxes always have to match my socks. Um, I don't, so that's just something I have in life anyway. So I think the rituals probably aren't around the gig. They're more to do with life, I think. I think I've mentioned this before. Just, I don't need to worry how that sounds because I'm about to make you feel a whole lot better. I have to wear superhero socks and the superheroes on the socks have to correspond to the sort of attributes that I want to show at that particular warm-up or gig or whatever it might be. So, for example, when Tim and I used to do a lot of central London gigs for other places, yeah, if it was a Saturday night, I'd be like, right, I've got to wear Wolverine on my left foot. Blimey. Because he's strong. Because I know it's going to be a tough gig. But then I've got but then I've got to be playful at the same time. Spider-Man on the right foot. <laughs> and I told this to Joe Caulfield once. And she just went, that is absolutely certifiable. Right. As in, you, you're, you know, you are insane. But, um, but that... It, to this day, it, 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 it is. What have I you got on now? What, what did you have to make to I me? Up, I warmed up Gray and Norton last night. Right, Iron Man, perfect, both feet. Iron Man, and, and what's this? You've got to do the business, but you've got to be a bit showboaty at the same time. Exactly. Well, yeah, uh, you know, Iron Man is a a, a a fun, you know, especially the Robert Downey Jr. iteration. Very funny. It's not for me to say charming, but he's a charming guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've sort of hit the nail on the head already there, um, but yeah. I just, so that, so as I'm as I'm pulling out the sock drawer, oh, Iron Man all day long, perfect. Right. So I'm assuming there's no Hulk socks. There are Hulk socks. Blimey, what's this for? Not never rage. Obviously, I'm not that kind of guy. But yeah, I suppose, I suppose Hulk crosses over with Wolverine in terms of gotta be strong. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If a gig is good, if if maybe it's a corporate. Yeah. And you know you've got to absolutely be on your marks. Yeah, okay. Tim, if you edit all of this bit out, I won't be mad. <laughs> but at the same time, I totally appreciate why you kept it in. I think that I'm trying to respond. And what will happen later is about four hours later, I'll be out for a walk and I'll go, no, that was more mental than I gave it credit for. <laughs> I think I just sort of politely went along with it. So but... polite, so kind. <laughs> If, if I come home later tonight and there's 10 comedians in my lounge stay with you there at the door and it's an intervention, I'll be like, yeah, that's fine. I totally, that's, that's Yeah, fine. yeah, I'm going to start a WhatsApp group, Avengers Assemble. You need to get, yeah. oh, well played, well played. James, the reason why we're all here with plain black socks for you. If there was time, I would go up and bring down a few, but there's not time. But yeah, I would. you know what? I will happily... WhatsApp you a picture of my sock drawer and you will go, oh, he, he if anything, he was underplaying it. <laughs> you can happily send it. I won't happily receive it. <laughs> Why has Jake not done any park videos for a while? Oh, because he, he threw his phone into the Thames. Oh, okay. Right, <laughs> sure. But absolutely brilliant. It, James, you've got any Aquaman socks? You can come and rescue my phone for me. <laughs> oh, they see, I mean... This is why he's on tour next year. It really is. <laughs> I got a hole in a pair of, because Thor really- Oh, we're still on it, Yeah. 
I got a hole in a pair of Thor socks. Oh, I mean, a part of me is still not over it. Might be the right. might be the most I've made Jake Jay laugh ever. Um, but, but sadly, he's not laughing with me. Um, <laughs> right, who MCs the gig, Jake? Okay, um, MC. I'll be honest, James, because I was thinking, obviously, I want everyone to have a lovely gig. You you are on the you are on the shortlist. You were there, but then I thought, and then you tell me, then you tell me the sock anecdote. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jake, why are you burning that piece of paper? <laughs> so. I've gone for acts who just, my rule was acts who just make me laugh so much that I know if I was doing like a Glee weekend with them, the Glee's obviously the, the green room is always sort of a bit away from the stage. You know, you can, you can just be shut in there having your dinner and chatting while an act's on. These are all acts that if they were on, there's no way I would not be out there watching. Oh, that's a nice theme. So that you just wouldn't want to miss a second of what they were about to do on stage. So uh, with that in mind, uh, the MC um, is John Cairns. I tell you what, John, I know you're listening. Is he on the leaderboard? What? On the lead? Mate, he is the leaderboard. <laughs> what a run he's having. Because if, if I see him at Comedians Football on a Tuesday, and I, I don't even have to mention it, he's like, oh, I'm aware. Oh, really? Oh, have you started going to this? I've not gone for a few months. If you if you start playing, mate, it is if, these past few months. It is the highlight of my. Hang on. Oh my god! I keep putting week. things in on a Tuesday, and I haven't been able to go. I love it. It means so much. Oh, Daniel I would love Kitson, to see you there. Daniel Kitson. What socks are you wearing for football? Look, listen. Right, I like Wonder Woman, and the reason why I pick her, she's a leader. No, <laughs> um, Daniel Kitson could not be a a, a, a kinder more welcoming more inclusive guy yes yeah exactly that he's gone out of his way to make me feel welcome and i've been playing it for quite a good few months now i'm, I'm saying this like oh. a like i just started but anyway it, I'm, I'm i'm always super he, i'm sure my he doesn't like my earnestness but i'm really grateful to him because he's uh, rob becky oh rob becky played imagine. a key role and kitson the two anyway i'm always very grateful because it's it's lovely and it's the i've said it before on the podcast these are guys who you can otherwise cross like ships in the night you you know you chat at a gig yeah you, you, there's some people you don't get to know that well so i've got there's there's at least 10 dudes that i know a lot better because of the football oh that's so lovely oh, man i've got a meeting on tuesday that even today i was thinking i'm gonna trust if i can move that meeting because i haven't been at football for so long and i'm I really with the kids this go. tuesday because it's half term so i can't i won't be there you anymore. won't be there no no comment but i'll, I'll still go but I will, um, I'll see you there soon. You turn up, everyone else. Jake, why are you dressed like Spider-Man? Well, turns, turns out he was right. I um, can tell you what, I can do the next few Tuesdays. This is looking good. Right. I'll be back Tuesday week. My resurgence. But sorry, John Cairns. Sorry, John. <laughs> it was insane how quickly we came off that. Um, just, yeah, that that's an act who I wouldn't want to miss a second of what he does on stage. I remember... Um, a friend of mine was doing um, Up the Creek one Sunday. So I went along and John was on. And obviously I won't repeat any of the material. Not because it's not repeatable. Obviously I just don't want to, I'll do Burn it in the justice. Gear. But yeah. it's just, it's just exa exactly my uh, my type of humour. That is exactly Your what will house. never fail to make me laugh. I just love it. And just, it's just perfect. And I just think, 
and now he's listening. This is obviously harder to say, but I was thinking last night when I was going over my list, I was thinking, just imagine the comment, like the British comedy industry without that and just how much worse off it would be. So for him, I don't know if he, even if he does come in, but the idea of him doing it and uh, um, the gig starting like that, it can only be a great gig. You know, you can see on a lineup sometimes, you see who you're on with and you go, well, this can only be great because the audience have come along to see these apps. So they can only be a good audience. I'm, I mean, there's definitely been exceptions to the rule, but if I'm sat there and I'm watching a show, there's very few people I would, I would want to see more than John Kearns. I can't imagine John doing anything else. No, yeah, but, it, but, but, but watching him do anything else would be hilarious. If John Kearns was a greengrocer, there'd be a queue a mile long just for the... <laughs> He's got the voice for it. Very good greengrocer. I'd watch that, but yeah, a, 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 yeah, one of my one of my favourites, and um, yeah, and to go back to my rule, if I'm gigging with him over a weekend, we could be doing, you know, four nights together. Every night, I'm making sure I'm out there watching, and that's why he's hosting the night. Great pick. Uh, who opens? Opening for me. Uh, s- someone again who to me just makes me laugh with everything they do. Um, and I know he doesn't do it so much anymore, but is a uh, Roisin Connerty. We, we, but we both know how much, because we talked about how much we love Roisin before the chat. Yeah. Which I was then thinking, do I change my, my, uh, my, uh, choice because we spoke about her before and it wasn't recording and I was very aware of it. Well, but- look, Roisin Connerty, is there a more naturally funny, you know, you talk about comedians having funny bones, once again, Rashid, Rashid, whatever Rashid was to do in life, if it wasn't comedy, would be the funniest. But, you know, if, if she worked at the council, she'd be the funniest person at the council. If she was a policewoman, she'd be the fucking hysterical policewoman. She's one of the most naturally funny, such a warm person as well. Uh, yeah. Yeah, great. What a great choice to open. I think she she's one of the acts who, when I look at her, I go, I can't, you, I don't think you'd function in really any other career just the way she is now on panel shows she just there's no show there's no panel show that is not vastly improved because Roisin's on it I think she's brilliant and I don't know her well at all I I've spoke uh Kerry Godleman's good friends with her and we talk about her endlessly with just huge Roisin fans and I think what a start to a gig as well I mean how happy is that audience going into the break They've had John Kearns and Roisin Connerty. I mean, I'm, I'm ecstatic. She would absolutely annihilate it as well. You know, absolute gig. Oh, and you're yeah. right. When she's on, say, Cats, mm. you you know that you're in for a great time because she's yeah, gonna, yeah, she's yeah. going to get huge laughs all the way through. Yeah, it's, it's the even when she's not saying anything, it's making me laugh. She's got the expression. She's got the the funny bone. She's yeah, I think she's solid and. Um, I don't know what her plans are. I don't know if she's going to ever do it again. I don't know what, but I sort of like that about her. It's sort of, it suits who she is. That... But I mean, to be fair, it all seems to be more than, you know, more than ticking along very nicely. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, and I'm not surprised. I think Rasheen can, I mean, I think she basically do what she likes, can't you? You know, she's, yeah. one, of, she's one of those dudes where if you're, if you were booking a show, you'd be, she'd be one of the first people that you book. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I'm booking this show, and sh- and she is <laughs> very good. 
<laughs> right, going at the break. Everyone's cock a hoop. Who's uh, who's in the middle? Okay, so I've gone for because um, it's the open spot section. Sometimes you can have two. Neither of these are open spots, but I I wanted to be a bit selfish and I couldn't decide. So I've gone for um, one of them. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll go with the first one for me. Uh, again, just somebody who um, I could watch endlessly. It's going to be the same reason every time I keep saying that, but it's um, Henry Packer. Amazing. I love Henry Packer. Just, I think he's absolutely phenomenal. I never got to see the show where he was doing the show and drawing at the same time. And no matter how many times I tried, I could never make it to ever see that show. I think in Edinburgh, we crossed over. Every time he had a tour show, I was away somewhere else. And I was livid. I never got to see it. But I just think he's hilarious. And then even to to be with him in the real world is is just as enjoyable. It's, I know Sean always tells me the story of, I think them being at Wagamama, he wanted a he wanted a tea in a takeaway cup or something. He or it was something he wanted, but basically they were saying at Wagamama, they were saying we can't do that. And I think he had a takeaway cup. He said, like, just put it in here. He wanted it because he was going to be going. He said, they said we can't do that. He just went, we've been to the moon. You can't put my tea in it. What do you mean you can't do it? And it's just I could just him. We've been to the moon. <laughs> him. You can imagine it. You could you could see it. The it, it's just exactly how his brain would work. You go, no, you've used the word can't there, and I cannot accept that you're saying can't. That that's that doesn't fit. That doesn't work. You don't so mean can't. He's calling them out on can't. What they meant was won't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not allowed to. <laughs> yeah. Now, did you say there were two acts in the middle? Two acts in the middle, and these next two is between two Americans, and I can't decide which one. Um, I still don't know at this point what I'm about to say next. Who are the two Americans? It's either between... Um, thank you. I can just say bye. Um, it's either between um, Shane Gillis. Are you aware of Shane Gillis? Yeah. I think he's great. And obviously he had a big cancellation thing. Now, Shane uh, Gillis, that is an inspirational story. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So he so he, he got the Saturday Night Live gig, which is a, yeah. which would be... That would be my... That would be like winning the World Cup for me as, a, mm. as, a, as an SNL anorak. And then old an old video from a podcast appearance surfaced of him using unacceptable language. And then he, he gets immediately let go from SNL. Yeah. Now for, for, for most, I'd say for 99.9% .9 of people, I don't know if you recover from that psychologically. No, you, you know, you've been, as I say, you've won the world cup and then you've had the world cup trophy snatched out of your hands. Yeah, I can't. He, obviously, he can't defend the language that he used, but nevertheless, it's still, it's still going to hurt. But then somehow, bounced back, bigger, better. I mean, in a way, it's the best thing that ever happened to him. Yeah, oh, completely. I think you, you, if you go into SNL, obviously, it is a dream. You can get a bit stuck in there. It's not up to you how sort of seen you are. Obviously, you can work hard, but it depends what they decide to that goes on there, what sketches go on, whether you get to be in the sketches. It's, it's, it's tough. So he just took control of it. He released a YouTube special, which was phenomenal. And then I think maybe a year later releases a Netflix special. So you've gone from being given SNL, being cancelled, I guess is what it was. He was cancelled, definitely. Cancelled, yeah. And then he's come back and he's, but not only that, he's absolutely phenomenal just such an 
effortless act. And to be honest, one of the reasons I did want him is because I would love to see his reaction to John Kearns. I mean, I think that's just funny to watch in itself to understand for him to understand what's happening there. But I, I think he's great. And his, I mean, he, to be fair, even in his special, you know, he's still he's sort of saying things really that you know certainly that I wouldn't say. But he's saying them, but he handles it so well. I just think he's from and the 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 Netflix special Beautiful Dogs and the reason it's called Beautiful Dogs and that whole bit is so well told. Just him just re retelling and recapping a, a a new story with Trump. And it's just it's so well done. He's clearly like I'd say um I reckon like master of the craft. And again, and you probably like him. I'm, I'm, it's me trying to be like cod psychologist. Is because he's someone who's made it happen himself in the way that you did. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, and I do always think that uh, Americans, uh, especially w- with comedy, probably other things, they we are always, I think, about five to seven years behind America. Whatever they're doing over there, like you, you know, I said what Patton Oswalt said in 2012, and you were like, we could say that today, and it's like, yeah. well, we were probably even seven years, you know, after that. So just, yeah, the he's, he's got his, his podcast, he's put his YouTube special out, which has just taken off. And it is that thing of taking it into your own hands. And even I think when people haven't, you know, made the deliberate move to like take it into their own hands, it is just like to think about like um, Ed and James's podcast, what they've done with Off Menu. I don't think there's any... Um, panel show even show really in this country you could do that would probably actually probably maybe like taskmaster level up there where you do that show the people that are going to become aware of you off the back of that show that just those two have done they've just taken complete control and not even in that way of saying you know we're going to do it ourselves but they've just created something that means that there's less people in a way it's just the performers and the audience and I think I just love I love stuff like that. I think it's so great, and I love what they've done with that podcast. I love obviously what like Rob and Josh, what people can do now. It's brilliant, and Shane's a great example of that with the YouTube special, which is um, a move that what people have obviously over here have started to do as well to copy to to do the, the YouTube special. But I, I I would probably do that because it's yours, um, and then to get a Netflix special after that, extraordinary. Just, yeah, incredible. So, I mean, so in, and, and he's also got uh, the open spots uh, at my dream gig. So, you know, things are just on the up. Keeping him grounded. <laughs> uh, who was the other one that was in contention? Um, Joe List. Uh, do you know Joe List? Tim, did Gabby Bryan pick Joe List? No, she didn't. No. Uh, he's, um, he's great. He's done some YouTube specials. I think he's released maybe three, uh, one every year for the last three years. But he, again, is somebody who I just find very funny. Just the idea of him makes me laugh. He's also a great writer. He's got a great bit about, you know, the story from, um, is it the the Foxcatcher? The, oh, um, the wrestling. Yeah. And he's got a, the bit he's got about um, one of the, the, the dads of the children saying to the judge in court, can I just have uh, like five minutes with that man in a room on my own? And then the judge saying, no. And then he's and he's like, 
how about two minutes? He's like, he, you know, he tried to barter. It's this whole bit about how this dad asked for this. And then the idea of also you have to win that fight. You can't request that time. <laughs> Go into that room and Kicking. come up with two black eyes and a bleeding nose. <laughs> and just what he, it goes on. He, he's, I just think he's great. He's, that's just somebody who really, um, uh, really makes me laugh. So it's between the two of them. But but thanks to you, I've sort of sneakily used both. Gone Gil- yeah, okay, yeah, sure. Very nice. Right, who closes the gig? Okay. Um, I know that you're going to uh, agree with this. Um no matter what, so I'm not nervous about delivering this one at all. Um, it is uh, Harry Hill. Nice. Now, the reason is, is actually a few reasons. So for me, Harry Hill was the first comedian I think I ever heard of or was aware of. I remember being about nine, getting home from a family party and my dad called him into the living room and saying, Jake, come and watch this. And us just watching Harry Hill do stand up on TV. And I was like, what is this? What I couldn't believe what I was watching. I couldn't understand what it was, but we're both laughing. And with my family, comedy was always like a huge thing growing up. We would always sort of watch things together, but it, it'd always been sketch stuff, you know, Harry Enfield and Farsha stuff like this. But I was now watching Harry Hill and I couldn't quite understand what it was, but I just loved it. And then I remember my mum and dad went to see him. He was on um in Chiswick uh not long after that and he uh they went to see him and I remember like the next morning waking up going downstairs being like you know wanted my dad to tell me all about it I must have been I don't know maybe 10 11 or something and um him being like he was great and he was like and watch out for his support act there was a guy on before him he probably didn't say support I don't know if he would have known what that was but he said look out for a guy called Sean Locke so since then we were like huge Sean Locke fans And then I got to open for Sean. I got to tell him that story. I got to tell him that how, you know, my dad, I'd heard about you when I was like 10 with no idea who you were. And I then got to support him, which obviously was great for my dad. I I got to tell Sean that and Sean just went, this must be amazing for you. (laughs) This must be brilliant. And it just, I was like, it is, it's absolutely insane that this will come back around. He was so lovely to me. I remember he, called me up one morning. We were going to be doing Norwich together. And he called me up about maybe, it must've been a Sunday night. He must've called me about 10 o'clock in the morning. And he went, um, I haven't, I haven't woken you up, have I? And I went, no. And he went, um, no, I haven't woken him up. He went, sorry. He went, my wife said, you can't call him this early in the morning. He'll still be in bed. And he went, and he, and he went, and I went, no. He went, if I had one word to describe Jake, it would be sprightly. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> Thanks. This is a great start to the day. I've just had Sean Locke call me up. He never he'd got my number from someone at Curb. I didn't know who it was going to be when I answered oh, the phone. Oh, that's so sweet. Lovely man. Um, once made me laugh so much in the car. I was driving that I had to pull over off the side no of the way. motorway. Like, like I like t- I, I don't I was like I don't know how I'm going to stop this. Like you know when your like cheeks are red, your like face looks like like balloon to like double the site, like crying. And he's, he won't stop. He's still, he's obviously hammering the joke more and more. And I am like begging him to stop. And it's just me and him in the car. Um, so sorry, again, sorry, we keep going off the track. But so I've chosen Harry Hill because I wanted to also keep this in the realms of reality that this gig could happen, uh, which is why it wasn't Sean that it was Harry. So then Harry, I have, and just for reasons, I think I've had tickets, things have gone wrong. I've never seen Harry Hill live. 
and what's happened now, and I, I think this is fine to say because nobody knows where I am. I now live on the same street as Harry Hill. I've never met him. And to go back to the agent, about two months ago, he signed with my agent. So he is just for me this this sort of like this sort of what what would you call it? the the white whale? Is that what they say? Yeah. And I've never seen him live, never met him. And we are just getting, I'm honing in on him more and more. <laughs> We're getting closer and closer. But I've I've never seen him live. So it, it was without question that it would be him closing this gig. So I get to finally see him. And as it will be at Always Be Comedy, you'll be there. Obviously, then I'll, I'll hopefully get to meet him. I feel so guilty because Harry is such a friend of the night. If I'd known this, we would have absolutely booked you on the same bill. Oh, that's lovely. That's very nice of you. <laughs> well, this this dream gig could become real. Sorry, just so thank you. Just so the listener knows, I've got my head in my hands right now. Yeah, he really has. He looks quite. We're upset. literally with we're, um, we're we're with him tonight. Oh, you're not. Yeah. Where's that? Tommy Field. Can I come along? Absolutely. Oh my god! Can I? Yeah. I know, then I'll be there. This is insane. This is incredible. Oh my God. Yeah. You've never met him. Oh my God. I mean, I've never seen him live. In terms of a pure comedian, I mean, if you were to argue that he's the greatest ever, like all, (laughs) or like someone who can do everything, what? One of the things I love about Harry is that when he, even when he's not on stage, he's so creative that he's always doing. He's you know he's he might be shooting a, a short film in the middle of nowhere, or he or he's he he once carved the Nolan sisters out of a log of wood. You know, so he's always he's always doing stuff that is inherently amusing. You know, I, I imagine like even when he, I think if when Harry's brushing his teeth, it will be like the funniest thing ever. You know, or like cooking breakfast, it would just be, you know. Um, that's, that's, for, I mean, for, yeah, for us, I mean, watching the stand up and then the TV burp for us was like in the house, it was like must see TV. It was just, just, we, we love him and my dad loves him. My dad's seen him live and I, I haven't, I, I can't believe this is happening. I mean, that night for your dad, Sean Locke followed by Harry Hill. I mean, I know. Jesus, wet. Do you have any favorite? Harry bits. Um, what, no, I've not, I've not seen him live. So it just, I've just, you know, I've watched the the DVDs. I've seen the stuff, but I'll tell you tonight afterwards. I'll go that. That was my favourite bit. No I, one. I don't think anyone. So my all time comedy hero is is David Letterman, right? But you know, right. the years go by. It's it, it, and the more I get to know him, it probably is becoming Harry Hill. And so one of the first times I met Harry, he knows how much I love Letterman. So we've exchanged a lot of Letterman stories because he was, a, he goes, he said this in a very nice way. And he said it again, he said it's a joke, but I've got, I've got like David Letterman t-shirts from being in the crowd as a fan. And I would love to have a camera just, you know, like they used to do player cam on Sky. I would love to be able to watch David Letterman and also have a camera on you in the crowd. I not believe my luck. The emotions. But Harry Hill went on Letterman multiple times, obviously, as a comedian. And Harry goes, yeah. the, difference between, the difference between you and me is I got my T-shirt because I was on the show. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Got me there, mate. Yeah, <laughs> oh, and also, I mean, this is, this is very inspirational in terms of things not being recoverable. Harry got booked on to appear on Letterman. 
did all the clubs in New York honing it, honing, you know, remove the English words, making sure he's getting the everything right for the American sensibilities. Yeah. And then uh, sat in the dressing room. Tonight, you know, our guests are blah, 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 blah. And from England, comedian Harry Hill, right? So he's like, oh, great, brilliant. And then while he sat in his dressing room, they play the intro again. And tonight with guests, oh. blah, blah. Yeah. His name isn't included second time round. So he knows what's happened. Knock on the door, bumped. Oh, flies back out again. <laughs> bumped. So now, again, back to that 99.9%. I mean, some people would not recover from this. In fact, some people, this would define their life. He bu- I think he bumps into Letterman on the second one as the, as the elevator doors are closing and Letterman shouts, are you the kid from England? And Harry goes, yep. And Letterman says something like, don't worry, we'll get you on. <laughs> next, next time, gets on the show, has a great one. Who can you hear? pissing themselves all the way through the set, David Letterman. Oh, wow. So, so he appeared on the show mul- multiple times and was invited over to, the, you know, the old, the classic adage about American talk shows, was invited over, Letterman loved it so much, was invited over to the table for a chat. There's a pic- there's a picture of the two of them shaking hands over the desk. And then Letterman uh, gave Harry a signed, Letterman uh, signed photo. So, uh, yeah, it, uh-huh. it ended up as a very big win for Harry. But, God, he had, he had to go through the mill to, to get there. I'm listening to his audiobook at the moment. I assume this is going to come up. There is some Letterman gear in there. That, yeah. That, wow. that Harry Hill autobiography fight is... That's, that's the one, yeah. It is phenomenal. Yeah. It's, it's exactly what you want it to be. Exactly what I wanted it to be. Um, oh, my God. Well, this I've sort of become like I've gone into I'm not I'm not you know we do you ever do those things where you forget that you are a comedian you just sort of become a fan again and you just can't imagine it's that fun. you're that you've ever been on stage I'm, I sort of feel like that for the idea of seeing him. Now, Jake, what a gig! Is there an incident uh, that you would that has happened at a gig that you would love to somehow replicate at this gig? Um, and it's that I'd, I'd like to replicate. The, I tried to think of this, and I think the only one I can think of, and I know that you're a promoter, so I'm sure there are reasons, but the only incident that I would like to recreate is every gig I've been at that has started at half seven instead of eight. Jake, have we talked about this before? We, um, uh, we must have, because I'm very passionate about it. John Robbins and I have talked about this why do, why does every gig not start at half seven? Right? Yes, you you could start this, James. This could well, be the, the comedy industry. So we went for this half seven start. Right. All of John, we be, I think all of John's tour shows start at half seven. Re- oh, really? Yeah. And so we that moved to cool. half seven. And one of our regulars, I've done this as a bit on stage in front of this regular. She's quite a tough dude, and. Uh, she collared us after one of these dreamy half seven gigs and goes, um, if you keep doing this at half seven, you're going to lose some of us, boy. <laughs> I'm not saying that she intimidates me, but I went home that night and changed every gig to eight o'clock. Right. Okay. Right. Wow. But 
there is absolutely no reason for a gig to not start up. I mean, we do a lot of half six gigs, you know, like with if yeah, you know, we, we right, did one yeah. the other night, you know. So half seven is doable because half that half hour is just surely it's just dead time. Now I can hear venue owners like the owner of the Tommy Field going, No, 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 we need that half hour to sell extra drinks. So I, I all right, I get that, fair enough. But from a purely selfish point of view, you're getting you, you're getting home half an hour earlier. Yes, surely everybody. We all want to go out. We all want to have fun, but we all want to be at home. And also, some of our shows can fit. They, they've been able to finish at eleven o'clock. It's unacceptable. Yeah, that's yeah, completely. It makes it so much easier for everybody. For the headliner, they're going on that bit earlier, half an hour earlier. But let's let's say our gig is supposed to finish at ten. It never finish. It never like people who who've been there yeah. are laughing that I've just said that. But if our gig finished at ten, imagine if it finished at half nine instead. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Beautiful. I mean, yeah, when I do my tour show, I think that would, um, so uh, 8 o'clock till 20 past 8 is tour support. 8.40, I'll go back on, do an hour and a bit. So I'd say, but by 10, it would always be done by 10, but like 9.45. And, you know, and at the end, it's, it's you are welcome. That is my gift for you. That came in the ticket price is that you had a bit more of an evening. I think that's a, that's fantastic. Something that you'd love to replicate is any gig that starts at half seven. I could not agree more. There we go. Lovely. Listeners, please share with us what you think about that. Yeah. I'm so scared of this regular that maybe it's too late for always be comedy. But uh, maybe <laughs> maybe we do it. Maybe we do it. But let us know what you think. Because I would love to know if you think that's a good idea. But also, if you might passionately think, no, eight o'clock is good. Gives us time, finish work, get changed, blah, 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 fine. But yeah, we, but, we yeah, but half seven, you go, maybe you don't have to get changed. Maybe you can finish work, have a, have some dinner, go to the gig, be home, still time to shower and get ready, go into bed. Lovely. Great. Take, Perfect. Yeah, an extra half an hour sleep. Everyone's happier the next day. Absolutely. Mate, beautiful. I would love to replicate that at a gig, but I'm too scared. <laughs> but, but you're going to lose some of us, boy. Yeah. <laughs> if my loser was what she actually meant was lose my life. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, okay. Incident right. that must not happen at this gig. Now there, there are. Um, well, there is. I was going to say there are a few comedians. There's one comedian I would, I would happily not have there. Basically, all that happened was I was doing a gig just after in London, just after Edinburgh, and this uh, year. No, no, no. This was 2000. It must have been my debut year, maybe 2018. And I turned up to this gig. So I've held the grudge for five years, but I turned up to the gig and uh, it was me and two other acts on. And I just went in and went, Oh, hey, how you doing? All right. And he went, um, This must be a bit, uh, a bit awkward for you. And I went, Oh, why? And he went, Well, it can't feel great to be the. The only act on the bill that's never been nominated. And I went, sorry? I'm just saying. Oh, right. And then I picked up my phone to be like, I've got to look at something. Which what I was doing there was texting about five comedians to go, this has just happened. What do I, what, what do you do? Also, were you checking to make sure that you, you hadn't gone back to primary school? <laughs> I was just like, huh? And just, uh, and then, then what had happened was I realised that this act 
who'd said so many things to me over the years that all suddenly made sense. I was like, yeah, I always thought, are you awkward? Are you not funny? And I went, oh, no, you're just, like, mean. It was so weird. So, also, was- so Somebody once tweeted something. It was, it was um, you. we don't realise this, but you will be someone's nemesis. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is yeah. there a bit of that that you've you've not realised, but it turns out that, or, or, or is it not exclusive to you? Is this person... I don't, I don't know. I just wouldn't want him at any gig if he's like that to anybody. It might be in petty, but I just, I was like, huh? No, but the old adage, I know it's a, I know it's a phrase from about seven years ago, but probably even more, but talk about living in someone's head rent free. Yeah, 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 yeah. That you walked it. in and they've, they've got, they've got that good to go. Locked yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that, do you think that's what it is? But now he's, now he's, now he's got a mortgage in my head. Right. So how do you unwind after a gig? Um, I'll, I'll be honest from, um, similar to going on to coming off. It's not much, nothing really has to happen. I think there's only, and I was thinking about this. I think there's only, I think I can think of four, maybe five gigs where I would have like needed to unwind. And that would have been, um, my first gig. I remember the first time I did the Edinburgh Playhouse for Curb during the Edinburgh, during the Fringe. And that was, I think, the biggest audience I'd ever played to at the time. And that was like the, and I couldn't come down from that. First bit of TV I did. And then, oh, first arena with Michael and Apollo. I think there's only actually been five times where I've been, no, actually, I'll tell you what. I think, I genuinely mean this. I think the only other other one would have been the first time I played the Tommy Field. Because I remember being like, whoa, that was, I genuinely remember me and Elliot outside being like, oh my God, like that's what a gig can be. That oh, was... Tim, there's the clip. There's <laughs> the clip. Oh no. I've been downstairs in my lovely kitchen. Now you've just got a messy study. And that's a <laughs> clip you. Um, that means a lot. Bless you. Yeah, that was... Um, well played. Yeah, that, that that would be on there. But and that, that was but that was when I was like, whoa, this is, I, I'm not sure how... Uh, I've got to say though, the Tommy Field can, it still surprises Tim and myself to this day. We had a gig on Tuesday. The crowd were, it was even, Nish Kumar said, we had a chat afterwards and he went, he went even for, you know, we, Nish is one of our closest, you know, he's, he's, he's Mount Rushmore for me, isn't he? But Nish goes, even for this place, that was right it's crazy yeah. that's good because it keeps the, you know, the adrenaline, you never take it for granted, the blood pumping and all of that, you know completely that's it and and then when that does happen that is when i'm like whoa that's hard to come down from but but um always when i get in no matter the time i think even if it's like pushing three i will i'll just have a cup of tea on the sofa um and that's just how i'll just unwind always with a cup of tea um and so if i'm going back to a hotel cup of tea yeah, I think it's always a cup of tea. I could even get in from a night out and have to have a cup of tea. I'm jealous because if I so much as look at a tea bag after 12 noon, I can't sleep that night. Oh, really? Right. No, I, I, it does. I, I, maybe I've built up an immune to it. I don't know, but I can just keep going with tea. Um, so I just have that, I think. But ultimately, I mean, there was, I remember once I was supporting someone and I had a headache as I went on stage. And so, I think I brought them on. I walked off the stage, uh, went, popped. I knew that there was a Sainsbury's around the corner, went to Sainsbury's. And I think 
five minutes after I'd been on that stage, I was just now in a queue, just just trying to buy some paracetamol. <laughs> I just think I'll just I'll just carry on. It's quite quite the same when I go nice. on and come off. Um, so it's not like big spikes, which maybe um, I'd have to do something to bring that back because obviously adrenaline is good, but sometimes it just isn't there. But I don't think it means I'm probably more in control. And this listener, this is the moment when Jake really got into cocaine. <laughs> I remember thinking when I did that Playhouse gig, I remember one of my thoughts was, oh, maybe this is why people do drugs because they can't get that high any other time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I remember thinking that's what that is because I think I had one like beer or something after it afterwards. And I was like, whoa, I am like smashed. I feel really drunk because of this adrenaline. I was like, maybe that's what drugs are about because I've not done them. Uh, Jake, that w- that was an awesome episode. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having me. And good luck on the tour. And we'll see you tonight with Harry. Oh, my God. This is honest. That is an absolute dream. The dream has come true. Genuinely, thank you so much. Uh, huge and heartfelt thanks to the gre- the maestro, Jake Lambert. T- oh, Tim, by the way, following on from last week's episode with Finn Taylor, we were good to our word, and we put that preview on with Finn Taylor. Yes, we did. Absolutely. Monday, the 22nd of January, uh, Finn Taylor tour preview at the Tommy Field and online. Uh, so we're actually live streaming that bad boy. And then, oh, Tim, I'm going to do it. I'm going to give the podcast listeners the secret code that we give to the newsletter. We put on, we always put on a very limited number of uh, newsletter-priced tickets with the code S. T U. Um, but because Finn was just on last week, I think I think that you know what? Yeah, that's 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 the right thing to do. Uh Finn Taylor, spicy meatball. Um and Tim, we I, I think we should do the same thing and get Jake Lambert down for a preview. Yeah, I was I was just thinking that. Yeah, I think the Sunshine Kid, let's get him a preview for it. The no. preview uh, idea, Tim, I mean, you know, I'm no I'm no Alan Sugar. It's bad that that's my go-to for a business person. Um, but maybe in future we should be uh, putting these previews on sale before the podcast. <laughs> I I think it's quite nice for people to see behind the scenes <laughs> uh, planning. See the see the actual cogs going round. Uh, your favourite Jake Lambert memory? It's to do with this episode. I think it's the fact. Jake picked Harry Hill as his closer, then said, I've never seen him. I would love to see him. We happened to have him on that night. And it was like it was like giving him a present. We we're able to do that for him. It was incredible. And he did come. And it was it was one of my favorite nights. It was so lovely. And it's so great getting to see Jake watch Harry from yards away. Tim, I mean, that's the ultimate memory. That was, <laughs> it was it was absolutely incredible. You, you'll hear it on the podcast. Yeah. It then happened that very night. You can see the pictures on the socials. Jake got to speak to his hero, Harry Hill. I mean, Tim, what are the... I mean, to quote Harry Hill, yeah. what are the chances? Yeah. In Yeah, absolutely incredible. It was really lovely. It was so lovely to see. My favourite memory, Tim, is is genuine, but also leads to self-congratulation, which is not good enough. 
But basically, my favourite memory with Jake is the very first time I saw him because he had that wonderful, whoa, mama, who the heck is this guy energy. And then as Jake brings up on the podcast, this is the self-congratulation. Look, when an act has just signed with an agency, they are sort of... um, there's nerves there's anxiety they want the agent to think that they've made a good decision so i know that an email from always be comedy it can help spread a little a little positivity i mean i'm already giving myself way too much credit but i do know it's been nice because because agents have passed things on to acts and i know that it's meant a lot to acts this would have been much cooler if i if you never knew this if you never knew that we did this it would be so much better, but it came up in the pod. So let's pretend that my my hand is forced. Um, but it, it was very lovely of Jake to bring that up in the pod. Uh, and as I say, the first time we saw Jake, we knew he was brilliant. And then to see him go from strength to strength. And so from that first gig, fast forward, Jake Lambert is doing the Apollo. Fast forward, he's getting his phone out. He's walking around that square near his house. Fast forward, he's doing a tour. And then of course, the greatest accomplishment that any comedian can achieve. He's a guest on the Always Be Comedy podcast. So, <laughs> I mean, what a what a journey, what a circuitous route I took for uh, quite a, a flimsy punchline. Um, but no, Jake, terrific. If you've never seen him live, do go on the website and check him out on tour. Uh, Tim, next week we have, well, two things, a Taskmaster favourite, mm. and then also, the amount of work this person put in was phenomenal. This person is pure sunshine. Um, I don't want to spoil the format, but I the format they did, I loved. Yeah, I, I won't spoil it, but just, yeah, just you wait. You're going to love it. And as you're listening to it, you're going to go, oh my God, the amount of work this person put in is <laughs> extraordinary. Uh, so yeah, you're in for a treat. Uh, as ever, please do spread the word. We're always, uh, always means a lot and have a great week, Tim. I'll see you tonight. Uh, thank you as always. Any questions or what have you, the team at alwaysbecomedy.com. Bye, 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 bye.